You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Did you know that Black Diamond manufactures your climbing gear not in a hollowed out volcano on the Pacific Rim, but in the basement of a derelict Swiss themed shopping center on the bench above Salt Lake City? Yes, it sounds like the premise for a sequel to Chud, but it's true. And what it really means is that from concept to slapping that epic tag on it, a group of dedicated Wasatch climbers have their chalky hands in the mix. Real climbers building gear to climb as hard and safely as they can, so you can too. So for the best gear imagined, designed, and built by actual climbers, go to BlackDiamondEquipment.com or your nearest outdoor retailer. And remember, when you support Black Diamond, you support the Enormacast. Chud. Cannibalistic. Humanoid. Underground. Dwellers. Chud. They're not staying down there anymore. To quote old headless Ned Stark, winter is coming, and you know what that means. Yes, it's time to unblock the number of that buddy who was still calling you to climb ice in June last summer and give in to your desire to scream and barf at the same time. Yes, ice climbing season is upon us, and though your fingers are destined to be both frozen and burning at the same time, your feet don't have to suffer so. Sportiva has a full line of big mountain boots, technical ice climbing boots, and boots that do nearly everything you'd want in the cold, cold mountains, short of apologizing for carrying you up there in the first place. So, if you must bash your feet against ice and snow then check out Sportiva's newly redesigned website, Sportiva.com, or your nearest high-end outdoor retailer for ridiculously well-made mountain boots, including such legends as the Spantic and the new Trango Cube GTX. And remember, when you support Sportiva, you support the Enormacast. Winter is coming. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the... Uh... The Normo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. Out That's a big nice. place. You sold it. I'll say, you really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a frayed end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, with support from Maxim Ropes and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Normacast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is November 21st, about 9 o'clock, and this is episode 117, I believe, of the Normacast, a conversation with Heather Widener, Heather Robinson in her previous life, her previous unmarried life. Yeah, and we are living in a, uh, in a post-Andra Donwall world these days, folks. Yes, that... Grand news, at least in climbing, has eclipsed the awful political news of the world, at least for the moment. 
just just today, just this night, just a few hours ago, Adam Andra topped out on the Don Wall looking clean and fresh. In fact, the whole party looked clean and fresh. Go and look at the photos from the top of the wall. I don't know. I think something's going on there. They certainly don't look like they've been on El Cap for seven days. Anyway, amazing, amazing ascent. And of course, people are going to wonder, why, why, Chris, have you not had Adam Andra on the show? Well, we've been in touch through an intermediary. She knows who she is. But it can be hard to get face-to-face with a guy who lives in the Czech Republic. And uh, he has come to the States now and again, but very briefly. And now that he's out of school and has shown up here and basically lit Yosemite on fire, uh, maybe I'll get a chance to talk to him. We'll see. He is a BD athlete, so that'll help. But my face-to-face game makes things a little bit complicated, I will admit. But I also believe that not only is the quality of the audio better, but, uh, you know, me having to work hard to get these things done, I think, also pushes me to do a better job. But that's just a theory. I don't know. I've never broken my, my streak of face-to-face interviews. I'm not planning on it now. Everybody wants a piece of Andra at the moment, I'm sure. So, you know, in that, uh, that Enormacast way, you know, we'll let things cool off a little bit and I'll get the post-post interview. You know, when he's had time to reflect. That's what we're looking for. Besides, what's he done up to this point worth talking about? I mean, really, come on. But enough about imaginary future guests for the podcast. Let's talk about Heather Widener. Heather's on the show today, great climber. But I think if you met Heather out at the cliff, as I have, and uh, spent time with her, you know, she's very sweet and very positive, always, uh, always a lot of fun to talk to. And it kind of belies the fact that she's got this inner grit that uh, comes forth when she's uh, obviously projecting something super hard, as we'll talk about in this uh, in this podcast. But um, yeah, it was fun for me to talk to her as an acquaintance to realize that you know there was a lot going on, a little bit of darkness under the surface that uh, is hard to see when you're just chumming around with Heather at the cliff. But you know, I I, I naively continued to believe that uh, the folks who climb a little harder than me, or even a lot harder than me, they're just uh, they're probably happier than I am. It just that's how it works. You climb well and you're just uh totally like a giddy little child all the time just sending project after project now. Obviously that's not true. It's not that simple. Luckily the converse is also not true. Or if the more you suck the more depressed you get. Otherwise this would be the worst year of my life. But it's not because I have the normal baby. So what could be better than that? Sucking feels fine to me right now. It's great. Love it. But here we find out once again with Heather that achieving your goals and uh, being a great climber is not always the path to pure unadulterated joy. Anyway, let's get into some of those ups and downs with Heather. It's your show. You can do whatever you want. I can want. do whatever I want. It is my show. <laughs> Rifle Colorado. Yeah, here we are. We're not really slumming it. Yeah, either. so what's the deal? Why are we in this hotel anyway? Um, basically, the last time I camped here, like 
a week and a half ago the olive oil froze and I had like four sleeping bags in the van with Charlie on top of me, mm-hmm. my dog, and I was like, this is too cold. Right. And uh, I'm just being spoiled staying in a hotel and I think it's really nice and it's good for recovery too, staying warm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're sp- but just being really spoiled right now. Right. Well, staying that's fine. Yeah. I La mean, quinta. it's... Well, it, it's like we've, we've gotten this extended, like brilliant weather season i know it's for crazy climbing yeah for camping yeah it's freezing it's cold it's at night. so cold in the canyon at yeah. night yeah, yeah it's pretty miserable and it doesn't it takes a long time to warm up yeah yeah so. and i really think like being freezing cold all night and then like trying to climb your hardest the next day is mm-hmm. kind of hard it's nice to like have a hot shower and i think it's good for your it, recovery um so you're are you projecting out there right now so I am projecting kind of half-heartedly because I know I have like two more days mm-hmm. to work on this thing. Um, so I did simply read this cool 13D um, at the project wall uh, a few weeks back, and um, I really love this climb. It's totally my style, lots of knee bars, really cool movement. And um, Chris, my husband, put an extension up, well, two extensions really, a few years back, and one is called um, Simply Red Lined, and it's a 14A. It's like eight more bolts, and I was like, well, shoot, like, I know I can do this climb, so why not try the extension? So I got the extension down, and um, it's going really well, but now I can't get through Simply Red again. It's driving me crazy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm man. like, shoot, man. That's kind of demoralizing. I would have, like... It's a little demoralizing. I would have... There's, <laughs> no, there's no way I would have gone straight to the extension, because I, I would have just been like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, like, take this and put it in my cap and walk away and like I know, go somewhere I know. else. But good job. Thanks. I mean, dig I think. It in. Yeah. Yeah. It's special. You know, it's my husband's right. route. It's cool. I like the climbing. I, I'd like it a little better if it would go a little faster again, getting through Simply Red, but has, whatever. Has, uh, has uh, anybody else done it? Um, only two other people, okay. I think, have done the extension. Right. So, I mean, oh, man. This Just, isn't the uh, one that goes to the top of the damn wall, No, is it? but it, it's, it's, it's part of it. Oh, okay. So, um, not going for the 100-meter rope ascent of gotcha. War and Peace, but it's okay. simply red line, so it kind of goes halfway up. Super cool. It gets really uh, techy up there and cool, but uh, I knocked a huge foot off the other day, like the size of a shoebox, onto my own car, which was awesome. Oh, man. Um, but it is okay. Everything is fine. <laughs> but uh, so maybe it's a little bit, a little bit harder now. Right. Uh, maybe it's just not, it's not my season. Right. A couple more days, but. Yeah, we'll see. It's, it's fun to You're try. You're here the rest of the week. Yeah. The weather's supposed to be good. Yeah, it's bomber. It's You're like, in La Quinta Inn. It's so you glorious. Full recover. Yeah. Full recovery. Full recovery. Love Rifle. It's one of my favorite places to, to go, so. Although can't I, don't, complain. I, I don't like to time stamp these uh, <laughs> because they come out a, a ways out, but since you're breaking my, uh, my long, like, testosterone filled series of men interviews Yay. that I've been doing, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Um, I may put this one out pretty quickly just to get, get a lady on the show finally. Uh-huh. Um, but so I'm going to timestamp it because it's election night. Yeah. And, uh, so you've also uh-huh. got that weighing on you. So perhaps tomorrow the weight of the world will be lifted off of you. And you know, and that's sand. the, that's the thing is like, it is just rock climbing and yeah. it doesn't matter. Like my project really doesn't matter. Like, sure. I care about it, but like, Come on, the election. That's that's huge. So yeah, but bigger the, bigger fish to fry. But at the same time, you can affect the outcome of <laughs> your climbing like way more directly. I mean, sure you voted, but 
yeah. this point, we're all just kind of waiting around. It's right. Like, it's like nothing, the nothing else to do. Are in charge, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, there's two things happening there. But hopefully, um, you know, I don't get political, but you know, it's, Donald Trump's a horrible person. So hopefully, he's not going to agreed. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I very rarely get political on the show, but. Um, Good Lord, people, come on. I know. And besides, I was, we're climbers, the environment, we gotta, we gotta, I mean, oh well. I know. It like gives me a deep stomach ache just like thinking about the, like him actually being president, the yeah. possibility of right. that, right. and just how many people want, like, are voting for him. I just, disgust me. Oh, well, I just lost a bunch of listeners. <laughs> so I've known you for a, a, quite a while, um, casually, I think. I mean, I know. I want to, like, see more of you. Every time oh, we thanks. hang out, I'm like, Chris is so funny <laughs> and awesome. And I also really appreciate, and it comes out in your show, how um, you're just, like, a for-lifer. And the more I climb, the longer I climb, the more I respect that so much. Like, you are, like, the true, you climb because you love it. If there aren't, you know, like, you don't want 100,000 followers on Instagram or, like, your motives, oh, your motivation is is the love of climbing, and I really respect that. Well, it, it, in terms of my climbing, I would agree with you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, you know, this, the Normal Cast has been this whole side project, and it kind of, like, sometimes I wonder if it reflects on me like that, like I'm some sort of, like, media whore like attention grabber but you know I, I do fall back on the fact that I had this whole like you know 20 year career before I ever started this thing like career as in my climbing career yeah. um but yeah I, did, I do kind of think like well I wonder if like people just think I'm just this like total attention whore no in terms of it doesn't come across as that no it's cool that you're like sharing pay attention this, to uh... me my opinions matter <laughs> um they do matter but um and, and speaking of that, but like we've known each other, but you know, I didn't, uh, I knew you before you, you got married to Chris. I knew Chris before you guys probably even knew each other. I thought of you as sort of the sport climber boulderer. And then, you know, like in the last couple of years, I just like keep seeing you on these crack projects and or these trad projects. So let's get into that. Let's get into China doll. Cool. Um, and you know, was I off base and sort of like, Pigeonholing no, you as a you as were that totally climber correct. beforehand? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for the most part, let me clarify. So okay. when I first started climbing 14 years ago, I um, first went outside. My first outdoor climb was in Vitavu on this 5.7 flaring crack that my boyfriend at the time just pulled me up. And How did you end was, up in Vitavu? Um, well, yeah, so I um, ended up in Vitavu because... I was going to school in Fort Collins for my undergrad in hopes to getting into veterinary school at uh, CSU. Uh-huh. And so I had a boyfriend at the time, and I'd never climbed before, and he took me outside to Vitavu, and I was like, holy cow, this is so cool, but like really hard. And uh, But I just loved it. I loved being outside. And, um, you know, the more I... I uh, climbed outside the more I was like this is awesome however I do remember like the first time I went to the gym and there were actual holds and not these like flaring wide cracks I was like this is actually super fun right this is really fun but yeah <laughs> so Vivu, yes yeah I definitely have a lot of ties there of getting like my ass kicked and getting dragged up like wide cracks and stuff mm -hmm. but it's cool it's character building for sure and you were like what in early 20s or late I was teens? 22 okay yeah so kind of like a late start for climbing. And you, 
you lit you grew up in Las Vegas. Yeah, born and raised in Las Vegas, one of the few locals there. And I yeah, never climbed or anything. Um, I was a horse girl. I rode horses for ten years, did the whole showing and and that bit. That's a crazy world, but it kinda mm-hmm. reminds me of climbing in in a lot of ways, like how obsessive the people are. Oh right. And like just yeah, it's kinda funny. And I, I danced ballet and did my thing. So growing up in Vegas was like kind of normal uh-huh. in the sense that I was in suburbia and just kind of did my own thing. Didn't really go to the strip all that much or anything. Right. But, yeah. The people that live there, unless they work there, right? Yeah. Kind of right. avoid that zone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we would only go there like if other people were in town and mm-hmm. stuff, which was kind of fun. But yeah, right. I go back now though and I'm like, God, Vegas is so crazy. Like after I live in Boulder now and I go back and I'm like, it's so weird that there are slot machines in the pharmacies, you know? I'm like, it's just bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't get it. <laughs> but it's cool. So you, we had started this talking about becoming, uh, how uh-huh. I had said, like, you yeah. had seemed like this boulder sport climber. Totally. And then, you know, recently took back uh, the reins to your trad career. Yeah, yeah. So but, when, I, yeah, when I first started, I, I did quite a bit of trad climbing, actually, but... Um, I really didn't climb that much in my early 20s um, and mid-20s because I was so freaking busy with school. Like, Mm -hmm. it was crazy, you know, and I was working two jobs in undergrad, going to school, trying to get, like, you know, the best grades possible. So I'd get outside maybe once a month climbing, Mm -hmm. get to the gym maybe once a week. It was just, like, this really fun release kind of cool hobby. Like a diversion. Diversion. And then, so um, in 2007, when I graduated from vet school... I needed to go back to Las Vegas in order to fulfill this grant. I received a grant through the state of Nevada um, for uh, basically, it's called the Western Interstate um, Commerce for Higher Education, um, in exchange for, um, because Nevada doesn't have a vet school, they paid um, a huge sum of my vet school oh, cool. to, to go to CSU, but in return I had to go back to Nevada okay. and work for each year I was sponsored, so for four years. Okay. So anyways, um, once I went back to Vegas um, to work as a vet, I found a job where I worked four days a week, and they were really long days, but still, four days a week, I had three days off to myself, okay. and that's when I, I was like... All right, I'm going to pursue climbing. More. Right, because oh, what? There's climbing here. Yeah, yeah I mean right. Vegas, right? Yeah. So much climbing, and I finally had time, you know. And uh, so I really started focusing on climbing, and most most of, of the the climbing in Vegas um, that I was doing was sport climbing. Sure. Yeah. A lot of it's like hard overhanging limestone, so I kind of became known as this like limestone sport climbing girl, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah, so I found the climbing scene in Vegas. Um, <laughs> kind of my biggest mentor and biggest character that I met there was Bill Ramsey, and okay. he helped me out a ton. And he actually taught me how to project. Okay. So I was in that. I was in Ramsey's world of like hard sport climbing. So let's fast forward then, because we're we're still yeah. working on this China doll. Situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so just a few years ago, I was like, you know. Um, I I had uh, so each year I kind of set these huge goals for myself. Like mm-hmm. I'll set like one big goal at the end of the year and be like, all right, I want to do whatever. Like climb like three years ago it was like I want to climb 14B, and it's like a goal that like I don't think 
necessarily I'll be able to fulfill, but like I'm going to try my best. And so um, I kind of felt like that was close to my max for sport climbing. And so mm-hmm. I was like, well, maybe I should like project a trad climb. I've never done that before. And I thought it'd be cool. Right. And um, so I uh, set a goal, I think two years ago now, to do Must Have Been High in El Dorado Canyon. And it's just like 13C, like R slash X climb. And um, Chris helped me like pick that one out. And um, that one went down relatively quickly and and uh but it was hard and it was like cool like mentally to have to place your own gear and a lot of times it's super small and you're like i hope this holds and just this whole new element i thought was really neat Mm -hmm. so then the next year it was like all right what's going to be the big goal and i was talking with chris and um he was like well i'd like to try trying it all full which um is a 514 track climb can be if you wanted to be we'll get into that more but anyways uh he wanted to do that and uh so it's kind of like instant partner he's my husband if he wants to work on it and like that would fulfill my goal of pushing myself in track right. so you don't have to yeah. argue about where you're going that particular day yeah exactly which is also <laughs> really funny like yeah. a lot of people are like how do you like project with your husband like that sounds like a disaster really you know like yeah. I, I think i think it's pretty unique what yeah, we have. I guess you're right, yeah. Because, oh my God, I mean, you know, your podcast talking about, uh, you know, guys that, like, their boy- boyfriend, girlfriends, or husbands and wives just, like, emotions run high. Yeah, sure. Right, yeah. So, totally, for, exactly. Like, so for watching, us, watching relationships torn asunder at some cliff, yeah. you know, while everybody's like, Jesus, would they just shut up? Like, totally. And when somebody's you're working, crying, somebody's yelling. Yeah. You know, passive aggressive comments. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, right, when okay. you're working on something like it's really hard for right. you, like at your total limit, emotions run high. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm really lucky that we have like a super solid. Well, before we get too far into that. So with must've been high or with this sort of switch, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're bringing like this sport climbing approach, but what about yeah. like, uh, I mean, did you find yourself like having, you know, relatively little problem with the fear factor? Yeah. So, um, ever since I first started climbing, I actually, I don't have as much fear maybe as a lot of people do. Um, I certainly have fears, but my first boyfriend, for example, wouldn't let me lead trad for quite a while because I just like wanted to do it. Like I had very little knowledge and I was just like, let's do this. Like, mm-hmm. but he was like, you got to go down. The, yeah. You, you know, gotta you got to like actually know what you're doing and, and stuff. You know, and he didn't want me to die. Milestones and stuff yeah. Like I hit that, these right? milestones and right. stuff. And I was just like, nah, let's do it. You know? So, and, uh, I don't know, like, I think Chris would say too, like often, like on sport climbs, I'll just like clip, you know, like skip some bolt or whatever. And like it, like, obviously, like, I assess the fear and make mm-hmm. sure it's, you know, not, like, that it's uh, rational. Right. Or the danger, yeah. Yeah, the danger. Yeah, Just assessing the danger. But, um, uh, so, yeah, as far as, like, the fear factor, it wasn't a big deal. But lately, at least with China Doll, and then um, we were in the Green River doing some first ascents, I had a couple of really scary... Um, Things happen. I had some gear ripping falls, and yeah, I was terrified. And it was actually like good for me, growth wise, because I had never really had that fear happen before. So 
I think my lack of fear was all had a lot to do with being naive. Okay. So you're just like going headlong and yeah. it worked out for you? Yeah. Up to that point? I mean, so. I don't know how. Yeah. Right. I mean, I feel like I got really lucky. Like there were definitely a number of instances where like my gear wasn't so good or whatnot and kind of got away with it, mm-hmm. which I'm sure like you've had a lot of <laughs> experience with too. Just Well, you don't know. Yeah. I mean, what what you're saying is is the reality of it is that when your gear was bad, but you didn't fall on it, yeah. you didn't know it was bad. Right. And so... You know, it's there is a little bit of a, you know, statistical rolling of the dice. And what's this incident in the in the green? Yeah, so we were in the Green River. This was um, uh, just this last spring, and um, I was on this. I, I think it's probably like a mid five twelve tiny finger crack thing, and um, just trying to get up this crack. Um, and I decided not to place a piece at this kind of bad stance because it was going to take a little too much energy. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, my foot slipped and uh, my piece below was just a little bit tipped out and I fell completely upside down and slammed my back and head. I had a helmet on, but slammed my back like really hard against the wall and, you know, like 10 feet above the ground and it was terrifying it was like the scariest fall i've ever taken right and you're out in the middle of nowhere right yeah you know you're yeah hours and hours from anybody so that was a wake-up call and uh that was maybe the second time ever that i've been like really scared mm-hmm. and uh took a little bit like i had to do a little aid climbing and like to trust my gear again so you're, and, you're like how long have you been climbing at this point uh, when that happened, right, so that yeah. was just this spring, so 14 years right. or something. And so yeah. this is like the first time you were like, oh man, that was really scary. T- yeah, terrified. <laughs> Aren't you lucky? <laughs> I am, I think, I think. And not to say that... all these people listening are just like, fuck, I'm scared every time I go climbing. <laughs> I think the longer I climb, the more scared I get. Because, you totally. know, That's you just totally know true. more. That's yeah. normal. That's yeah. completely normal. Yeah. But yeah. So, so now this anyways. was before you sent finally yeah, on Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so that was before. Did that like throw a wrench into the process? Dude, a little bit. Yeah. And then, so yeah, and then, so on China doll too, I ripped gear and that was terrifying. Mm-hmm. There was kind of this opening bulge and there, the gear's really finicky on it. Right. And, uh, and there's also like a ledge. And um, so I, the first time I went to try to lead that thing, um, I ripped two small um, Metolius offset cams and fell onto the triple zero C3 and hit the ledge and this is fucking terrifying. Yeah. 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 It was really, really scary. So, I mean, but this is what I wanted, right? Like when I picked this project, I was mm-hmm. like, I really want to push myself physically and mentally. And that's the trad component is adding this extra um, kind of mental element. So yeah, call me a masochist or something, but um, yeah, I was able to to eventually just be able to trust my gear again and get more comfortable. But yeah, right. and you guys process. are—I mean, essentially, this is a head point to the point like you're you're able to top rope it. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're we top roped it, 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 you know. Yeah, extent, but then you but then you like, still don't yeah. know. Yeah, right. like I said, like oh, you know, on top rope, I practice placing the gear. I'm like, oh, the gear looks good. Right. Not so good. Right. Yeah, yeah, you just don't know. And then, of course, after I rip pieces, it's like, okay, I need to, like, revisit this and do the best I can to make sure everything's solid. 
So what was what was Chris's reaction when you were when you rip your ripping gear and things like that? Yeah, he's just like dealt with me in in this kind of regard for a while now, and I think he just kind of like shakes his head uh-huh. a little bit. Like he definitely helps me so much, and he really like wants me to be as safe as possible. But he also knows that like I'm gonna like go for it. Mm-hmm. We're good balance for each other. So I think That's like good, sometimes I, he needs to like go for it a little more, but then sometimes I need to like dial, like I need to like reel it in. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just like asking because I'm like I'm terrible with with Latin step step lead. Like I hate it. Like I. Hate <laughs> it. I, mean, I don't know. You'll have to ask Chris. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, that would be. I will. Hopefully, I'll have him on the show as well for mm. for um. He's a very accomplished climber, also, and and but yeah, I mean, I I just like have to sit there and just like. <laughs> like whistle and think about other things because it it drives me crazy. That's cute, especially track climbing. Yeah, you know, I'm just like no, no, but the, that's just, that's not the, <laughs> you know, like it's terrible, and it's 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 partially like it's partially you know she's not as experienced and she does sort of make mistakes, but it's it's mostly just typical man protecting poor sweet yeah. girl and i yeah. know that and i'm just like you're being you know you're being overbearing my and first like, boyfriend was like that but, but chris not so much yeah, no because that cool. drove me nuts him. actually yeah, like because i was like dude i want to freaking i know lead you know yeah. like i can't help that it. it's just i mean i i'm better at not saying anything but the internal dialogue that's will cute never it shows away. that you really care it's terrible I'm just <laughs> like, you know and but 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 it does it does also make me kind of like I wouldn't say bully, but like, you know, I take every chance or every opening I can get to get, get the lead away from her, which is oh, terrible. I know. That is terrible. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not like bullying her, but if she's like, <laughs> if she starts to sort of like give me a little opening of like being like, you're like, I, I got this. I, wanna, I don't, I don't know if I want to lead. I'm like, okay, I got it. I'm like racking up. Otherwise like, you're going to have a panic attack. I know. So I love it. She has friends she can climb with and like. I'm not there. She can <laughs> do, and then she comes back and tells me some terrifying story about like what happened. I'm just like, ah, oh, it doesn't make it any better. <laughs> it's great that you guys have this relationship. So you finally did send this route. I did finally. Yeah. So it took me just over a year. Okay. I didn't. Okay. Well, you know, not everybody knows what the hell we're talking about. So this route is, uh, it's been done in sections. Um, pieces and parts are five thirteen, and then. The whole thing is considered 514. It was climbed, bolted, then extended, right? Am yes, and the right? extension is not bolted. Not correct. bolted, and then the the middle part was climbed with primarily without the bolts as well, right? I wouldn't say primarily, but uh, you mean just in general, or in general? I mean, it was bolted. Now, was it climbed without yeah, the bolts? Yeah, Barbaran bolted it, and then um, it has been climbed without the bolts. None of them. Without, yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a pin that is okay. generally used. Not everyone right. uses it, but yeah, it's honestly like this. And I've talked to Chris about this a lot. It's so, it's a little bit silly. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal of climbing China Doll was not to prove any point. Like this thing shouldn't be bolted. Right. It was strictly um, it, this challenge that I wanted for myself. Sure. It's 20 minutes from our house. Uh, it'd be a big goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I decided to skip all of the bolts, make it a trad climb, but yeah, it's kind of arbitrary. So the bolts are still there. Bolts are still there. Okay. Yep. Right. Yeah. I think, um, when was it? Uh, maybe 2000, 
nine or something, Matt Siegel um, did the full China doll on gear, no bolts, and he was kind of like, we should have the bolts taken out, but I disagree. I think it's really nice. The gear is super finicky on that thing. It's right. nice to have the bolts. It's right. terrifying. It's like, if you want to do it without the bolts, then do it without the bolts. We don't right. need to chop them. Like, they're really nice to have. And they're nice to have for working the route, right. too. You know? Yeah, I mean, it becomes this really, <laughs> yeah, this little gray zone of, yeah. of, well, did you ever clip one of them when you were working? Maybe exactly. he didn't. Exactly. I mean, he, he's I, you know, he rules. did not. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. He actually talked to me about he's, that. He's, mm -hmm. a, he's a student of, like, Decaria and those guys. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Boulder's always been that place with all that controversy. Yeah, so. which is cool. It yeah. keeps things interesting, but... But nobody's pulled the trigger on yanking them out yet. No. And you're not going to. Hell no. No. No, I appreciate that they're there. Right. On. Yeah. But it was a cool challenge to not use them. So what's on? Uh, and that was this year that you just did that? Yeah, that was June 15th. Okay. Holy moly. Yeah. It was quite the saga. I quit uh, uh, writing down how many times I tried it. I think mm -hmm. it was at least 70 times or something like that. Like overall, like on top rope and everything else? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I kind of broke it up into pieces. Um, so with this challenge, I had never even seen the route, right? Like mm -hmm. Chris and I are like t talking around the dinner table one night about goals. And he's like, well, I want to do China. And I was like, I want to push myself in trad. Like, that sounds great. Let's like do this together, you know? Mm -hmm. It'll be fun. And uh, so I did, hadn't even seen the route. And I'd climbed like maybe half a dozen granite routes in my entire life. Okay. And so I get there. And the first time we... we um, get on China doll, like set up a top rope and stuff. And I like couldn't do a single move on the entire route. Like the, actually the, that's not totally correct. Like the first, um, pitch of it, um, is like a five ten, So I could do that for the most part. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, the 13 C is the next pitch. And then the 13 D extension, the 13 C totally shut me down. Like honestly, I like could barely do a single move. So, um, for me is really like, wow, I have so much to learn here. I don't know how to climb granite. Like there's no holds. Mm -hmm. Like, what do I do? I'm like this limestone sport climbing girl. And I'm like, where are the holds? Right. I don't get it. So I, um, just worked the 13 C pitch first on bolts and then was able to lead that eventually. And then, uh, started working the extension on top rope, got that kind of dialed and then on top rope, figured out the gear, and then, yeah, put it all together. So it was a number of steps. It's like... Yeah, so you like broke passage, it all the dude. way down. Yeah. yeah. Just. And honestly, like, the 13C pitch is so freaking hard for me. Uh -huh. Like, yeah, I think that single move-wise, there was one move there that was, like, way harder than anything on the entire route. Super mm -hmm. reachy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's nice to have... It's, like, a huge relief to accomplish it. Right. And, uh... And you had some, like, postpartum problems. Yeah, you know, like, I, it's so funny, right? Like, this world that we're in, this climbing world is so funny, but I invested so much mental and physical energy on this climb, and once it was done, it was kind of like, whoa. Like, I, I don't know what to do with myself anymore. It was like, it was like a job that I just, like, lost my job in a way. Mm -hmm. And uh, in hindsight, I was being very, like, end goal oriented. It was like that's all I want to happen. And it was a little bit less about the process at some points. So I think that's why I was like a little depressed after it's like, what the hell do I do now? Like that was, and I still feel like that will probably be my biggest 
climbing accomplishment my whole life. Like, what do I do now? Like, You're done. Like, go, like... Just go gently into the <laughs> You know, yeah, just, just yeah, yeah, just I know. Lay down, get a get a nice <laughs> Afghan and watch some TV. You know, <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's what you should do. I know everyone was like, "Are you gonna go like on a bender after?" I was like, "Maybe, I don't know." <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it took so much of my energy and uh, psyched it stunned. But um, yeah, but the but the thing is, is that like. Maybe as a single pitch climb, and you did it as a single pitch. Yeah, that's the the challenge. Yeah, doing is the whole thing. Yeah, but you've got the. I mean, you're not really a big group climber, are you? Mm mm. I've done like the Rainbow Wall. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, but the I mean, biggest. I'm just saying, like, there's all these this whole world of like big group. Oh no, no, totally. Like, no, there's so you. much more right. like to do. But I think I was just like so also just exhausted. Right. And right. I was like, the thought of having another project was mm-hmm. like torture no i don't know how you guys do that to begin with you know we, we like the mega projects well and we just talked earlier because you and i know each other from being in rifle and like i was saying how like yeah, i'm not really as much as i talk about on the show even it's like i'm i'm not like this hardcore weekend after weekend day after day rifle guy and it's limited like what i've been able to project out there because i i go away for months yeah and i come back and i'm like oh here's this route again and i gotta relearn it you're stuff. more like a normal person i think that's like <laughs> a bit healthy there's something really unhealthy about the amount of like neurosis that goes into like projecting well yeah and then and just listening to you about that and like and you know plus as the spring came on and you got I mean then conditions must have just been like a total nightmare it's a nightmare I actually started calling so it's in Dream Canyon but I like started calling it Nightmare Nightmare Canyon Canyon. I mean it just wouldn't stop raining right and it's just really condition dependent in there yeah Um, well and it's granite like smear climbing right yeah Yeah. everything matters the day that I sent it was the first day like it hadn't rained the Mm -hmm. night before in like as long as I could remember Mm-hmm. And conditions were hot but dry. Right. And uh, yeah, super finicky. I've never had a project in conditions that finicky before, so that was an extra challenge. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go back then a little bit and go a little deeper. You know, because I was just saying how like I don't know where the ability to do that comes from, and I just had a show with Paul Robinson, and and I don't know where the ability to to do that on boulder problems comes from. Um, yeah. Which is not to say that, like, it's bad or good. It's just right. super different than my personality. I so where do you, in your yeah. personality and who you are, not only, like, where that ability to, like, dedicate yourself came from, um, but also what sort of attracted, I mean, maybe you're over it now all of a sudden. And <laughs> it's, like, missing. No. But what, what has attracted you to being this, like, project climber this person who's going to try something that they can't do a single move on yeah and still keep trying it because yeah. i mean that's my malfunction it's really abnormal. i'm like i can't do this I'll, <laughs> I'll go find something that's easier you know totally um, i think that's that's cool yeah i think where it stems from honestly is like achieving things that i never thought were possible mm-hmm. so it's like it's kind of gotten me to where i am even like in other parts of life too right like um, growing up, I was told, like, I wasn't good at, like, math and science, and I was, like, good at English and art. Mm-hmm. And I just grew up with, basically, my mom telling me that. Right. And 
my response to that eventually was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go to veterinary school. I'm going to be a doctor, mm-hmm. you know, and being like terrible at, at the sciences, like it took a lot of persistence and, you know, there is doubt, um, of like, can I really do this? But it's, it's also ultimately being able to deal with repeated failure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's something that's really hard to do. Um, were you like a, were you like a, I mean, you're not particularly large now. Were you like a, like a <laughs> Thank cute <you>. little kid? <laughs> I was I mean, like super skinny and super like not skinny. cute. No, no. I was like, like string bean, like, okay. like, you know. I'm just wondering if like there was some pigeonholing in terms of like, you know, just physically there's, you've got this, you know, this skinny little girl that's like, okay, well you're going to be this and, and you wanted to be something else. Yeah, I I don't know. You know, it's a really good question. Like, I feel like I've always been really driven, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I've always felt like I've never been particularly naturally talented or good mm-hmm. at much of anything. And hard work has been what's gotten me everywhere. Okay. And so it's very similar in projecting. It all comes down to putting in work. And dealing with failure right. and not letting that get in the way. And with that, just like, you know, great artists or um, businessmen, um, you know, everybody takes these these people that are ultimately really successful have gone through so much failure. But if you're like believing so much that you can do something, then eventually it can happen if you're willing to put in the work. Right. Yeah. At least... That's how I like to think. Right. Yeah. Well, we, we, you mentioned earlier that, um, or, you know, we were joking around about the election and how climbing is like this kind of, um, it's sometimes you step back and you're like, this is super ridiculous. Like, this is totally silly. Yeah. And you, you kind of, you, you, we also talked about how you were a veterinarian. Yep. And you kind of stepped away from that as well. And you're basically living as a professional climber at yes. this point. And, you know, was that like a, you, you said, okay, I've, I've, I've fought to prove I can do science. Yeah. And I'm not just this artsy lit girl, so yeah. I became a veterinarian. Yeah. Um, was it difficult to transition out of that? And what what made you decide to do that after, I mean, you just said like you had to go undergrad and then, yeah. um, you know, years of veterinarian school, and then you had to go back and put your time in because the state of Nevada paid for yeah. you. And oh, then yeah. at some point you said, okay, well, I'm not into this. and <laughs> Not gonna... exactly. Okay, yeah. So yeah, what, so what happened I, um, there? I also really have always loved animals mm-hmm. since I was just a tiny kid and um, was able you know, to be, for- I was fortunate enough to grow up with horses and I really, um, I actually wanted to be an equine vet and, um, and with that, um, I think it was more just, yeah, the love of animals, and I, I actually really enjoyed the sciences. Um, and as a veterinarian, it's a really good profession. Like, if I have to work 50 or 60 hours a week, that's the kind of job that I would want. Mm-hmm. Um, however, <laughs> if I had to choose between having kind of a stressful full-time job and going rock climbing full-time, it was an easy choice for me. Okay. Um, but it was a slow progression. I mean, I really wasn't obsessed as a climber when I was en route to veterinary school. And um, it really kind of developed later 
after I was working as a vet and had a little more time. Right. Um, I also think, like, for me, it was just kind of, you know, running the rat race. Like, I was just going, going, going and never took a break. And, you know, I just had this, like, this drive and kind of this anxiety, like, I need to, like, take care of myself. I need to, like, have a career where I can actually, like, make money and and, and whatnot. And um, so I never really took much time to contemplate life it was just like go 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 right so once i kind of got into the climbing scene and saw this whole other lifestyle it was like holy cow like i really like these people they're all like characters i like how they live their lives and um and pretty soon i was kind of working for the weekends um i loved my job but it was it was often really hard and stressful and you know as a vet you're not just like petting fluffy kittens and dogs you're you're like you know performing euthanasias and um surgeries and um you know you can have great clients but i had some really bad clients too you know people throwing credit cards at you and screaming at you and you know i was also working in las vegas as a as a vet so you get some crazies and so just more and more, I just wanted to climb. In a video that I watched, you had this phrase, compassion fatigue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, you, I think you, a lot it of seemed people, like you'd chosen your words yeah. just right. And So what, what is that? So this is um, really well known, actually, in veterinary okay. medicine. Vet, vets actually have one of the highest suicide rates out there of all the professions. And um, so we were actually um, learning a lot about c- compassion fatigue in vet school. And it's like... Veterinarians don't get into the profession for money. You know, that's what <laughs> MDs, we would be human doctors. Right. Uh, vets really don't make that much money, especially for how much school you go through. And we go into it because we love animals, right? But ultimately, it's a business. Mm-hmm. It's a small business. And at least I was working um, in a small business. And, like, it's really hard when people come in and you know you can fix their animal for, like, $300. And they're like... I can't, you know, like I need to put food on the table for my daughter. Like I'm choosing my daughter over the dog. And like, I understand that, but it sucks when you're like, I could totally save your animal, but now I'm euthanizing your animal. Um, Because it's cheaper. Because it's cheaper. And like, I can't just give away all of my services because I'll get fired. Sure. You know, so so that is kind of what what I mean by compassion fatigue. Um, it sounds a little whiny, I know, but like it, it's a real thing, and uh, a lot of veterinarians have it because we care a lot about what we do. But well, I mean, a medical doctor working on humans is not euthanizing anybody, right? Right. You know? And that's yeah. like a and like I, I can totally understand it. Like, you know, you obviously think about veterinarians as people who help cure animals of right. illnesses and diseases and injuries, but. I mean, shit, what's the percentage of the job is is putting animals down? Right. It, it is a lot of it. I mean, and sometimes it's a it's a good thing um, to relieve suffering. Sure. You know, I sure. wish that some people had that, you know, that, you know, we could relieve suffering in Election that way. Night. We're working on that, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, that bill sounds fucked up, but anyway. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it was a really, um, it was just pretty stressful mm-hmm. conditions sometimes. Not always. I mean, I was lucky to be in a really good practice, but um, yeah, when you care a lot. And uh, I think the other thing is when people come in and bring their animals into you as a vet, you know, like they'll they'll come in and be like, why is my bill like a thousand dollars? Like they think that 
They think that all of that money goes to the vet, and mm-hmm. there's like actually huge overhead in in the business. Sure. So there's a lot of that too. Like, oh my god, I, like you know, they don't have insurance for their pets, even though that's available. And so yeah, I think if I didn't have to deal with the money aspect of veterinary medicine, it'd be a lot different. Right. And uh, a lot less euthanasia. Euthanasia that'd be good too. Right. So, anyways, I was kind of more into climbing and. Um, I was actually really more more into, into climbing. Um, instead of asking for a raise each year, I would just ask for more time off. And my right. boss was like, what is wrong with you? Like, you go climbing every weekend. Why do you need more time to go climbing? Like, people that don't climb don't really understand, right, mm-hmm. this obsession. But it was growing. And um, that's when I ended up meeting Chris, my now husband. And, uh, you know, we were dating. Um, we were hanging out in Las Vegas. He came out there to climb. And, and we'd been dating, I think, like a year and a half. And he was like, what would you think about one day, like, quitting your job and traveling and climbing full time? And I was like, well, yeah, that would be amazing. But, like, how am I going to eat, you know? Right, right, <laughs> and right, right, so yeah. he definitely is, like, of all my sponsors, he's my biggest sponsor, I say. So, right. so yeah, that allowed me to quit my job and, like, actually have time to have just some more time. And so as this person who was like most people concerned about security the rat race like whatever you want to call it but i mean just normal life like you just yeah. said i have to eat yeah i have to pay rent and, yeah or you don't have to but but that's you know a normal to have a normal life you do yeah like was there a i mean still some like oh, consternation of just like scary. throwing it all to the wind yeah definitely scary mm-hmm. um for sure i think the only thing that didn't make it as scary as it could have been was I was so confident in Chris and I's relationship. Mm-hmm. When I met Chris and we were hanging out, I was like, oh, I get it now. Like I dated um, a number of guys and, you know, it was like the three out of five relationship. We were like, this is pretty cool. Right. But like most, not most, you know, two out of five times he's driving me crazy. I met Chris and it was like, <laughs> oh, I get it now. Like, I never, you know, before Chris, I was like, I'm never getting married. Like, that's so stupid. Like, why would anyone do that to themselves and stuff? And I met Chris, and it, like, all went out the window. It was like, oh, obviously I'm going to marry this guy. Like, obviously I want to be with this person for the rest of my life. Like, it was like everything was so solid and, like, sure. Mm -hmm. And um, it sounds, like, crazy just saying that, but, like, it's kind of true. Like, when you know, you know. And, Mm -hmm. like, he was my, he was my, going to be my person. He was my person. And so that made it less scary to, like, quit my job and hang out with him and go climbing. Mm-hmm. But uh, societally, I mean, everyone was like, are you, have you lost it? Like, are you crazy? You went to school for eight years. You've practiced, you know, for five years. You're just going to give that up. Right. And um, so I think the hardest part is, like, just societally, like, we're all taught that, you know, we should really be like contributing to the world in some way. And I do feel like I'm not contributing as much like with rock climbing as Mm -hmm. I, as I was like being in the hospital and interacting with animals and clients every day and stuff. But, uh, ultimately you have to do what makes you happy and rock climbing. Call me a simple person, but kind of fulfilled everything that I thought, you know, entails happiness. Like for the first time I had this community that I really identified with. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to be in beautiful, weird places like Rifle, Colorado. You get to push yourself 
physically uh, be in kind of like a flow state and and also mentally it's very fulfilling to this day yeah so I don't miss veterinary medicine I miss like the animals and uh, some of the people I worked with for sure but I don't miss um, the day-to-day grind climbing life is far superior super lucky (laughs) I know like don't hate me Mm. like this is the dream life this is a total dream life no I understand and and, uh, I think a lot of professionals or people who've made it work however they've made it work they are a little sheepish on my show to talk about like you know whatever it took or or because they feel like that there might be this resentment like oh great well because you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, totally. a lot of my listeners are definitely folks that are working and they're yeah. like listening to the show and that's what the show's good for yep is in you know and hopefully they're open-minded enough and are i mean i think generally there's some envy but not like total disdain for the folks that are out there just like climbing every day and like well, I that's was, fine but I gotta go to work I then, know yeah. I mean I I was on the other side right. man I know what it's like I was super jealous mm-hmm. you know like all my fr- you know climbing friends when I was working they're like oh yeah we're gonna go on these long trips I was like cool I have 10 days off in a row twice a year right you know I mean yeah. I had three day weekends can't complain at right. all but like I know what it's like to be sure. on the other side well, a lot of times I ask at this point when we start talking about those transitions about family yeah. and what their idea was. But um, you lost your mom at a pretty young age. You yeah. were 19. I was 19, yep. And uh, I asked you ahead of time whether we could talk about this and you were you were open. Also because it's come up in some of your um, your videos or your blog posts. I, yeah. you know, I was aware of that. So it, it seems to fit into who you are now and maybe fit into this choice in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Can you sort of expand on that? For sure, yeah. Like I was kind of saying before, I think a lot of us, we're just running, right? We never have any downtime to actually contemplate like what we're doing with our lives. Mm-hmm. And I certainly didn't for years and years and years. And um, so living the lifestyle I'm living now, it's like, and I'm in my like later 30s, it's like all of these things kind of start to come up um, from childhood and, and the past. And certainly one of those, the biggest things that I've actually had time to like grieve over the loss of my mom. So, I mean, my mom died of cancer uh, when I was 19 and she was honestly like what kept our family together. However, there was also like a lot of alcoholism in my family growing up. Um, uh, a lot of like kind of addict- addiction problems. My dad um, has a severe gambling habit and lost all of everything that he, he had. And uh, my brother has a gambling habit. And so um, it's lately I've had to do a lot of like soul searching in a way um, of how to become ultimately really comfortable with all of the past and like internalize it because for so many years I was you know sweep it under the rug because I don't have time to deal with that Um, either in it at the office or you were probably out climbing and hanging out with friends having some drinks you know and, and it's so easy to just ignore and so finally you know and for the first time in my life the past few years it's been good to slow down and it's also been hard to slow down because you do face all of those kind of demons of the past and I did find that you know a bit on China doll when um, you're pushing your limits and whatnot 
at least for me, when I was doing that, I was becoming really self-degradatory and degradatory, uh, and uh, kind of self-loathing, and um, and I just thought, you know what, like this isn't what's going to keep me happy ultimately, and I need to like change some things. So um, Arno Ilgner um, happened to just come up to me at OR, and it was really great timing because I was kind of going through all of these mental things, and he said, hey, would you like to work together? He's trying to put together a, a book for more elite athletes and whatnot, and he's like, in exchange, you know, um, you can have some mental training. And I was like, that's yeah, perfect timing. It's funny how those things kind of align. And well, it's so- interesting because, uh, you know, Shane Lempe, who's on the show recently, yeah. has been working with Arno, and I almost feel like it was the same thing. Like, like he... he, he- <laughs> He like looks out into the crowd and he's like, that person I'm going to go talk Isn't that to. so funny? It's like yeah. the, he can sense it. He's right. like, wow, that girl's got some issues. I'm, so, I'm probably just too well adjusted. He's never bothered talking to me about I know. it. I definitely, like, that guy, yeah. he's fine. Yeah. He doesn't need my help. Although I, once again, and I said this on Shane's show as well, Arno, come on the show. Arno's oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've had a small chat about it, so hopefully he'll come on the show. But anyway, I interrupted. Oh, but no, it's, it's yeah. kind of like, I don't know, he has that guru quality and it's like, oh my God. Maybe he he knows. Stuff. Yeah, I know. So. He's definitely like a little ninja. So what has that been doing for you? It's been it really like? great. It's, it's, um, basically he's given me all of these tools. So he's the author of the Rock, Roar- Rock Warriors Way mm-hmm. and he's given me a bunch of tools to basically identify and label negative thoughts. And a lot of negative thinking and wobblers and all this stuff stems from the ego. And uh, there are all these tools, and I've kind of written about it now, but thinking of the ego not as yourself, um, coming more from an observer standpoint. And um, he describes the, the ego as this, like, thousand-headed dragon where it's going to, like, rear its ugly head certain times, you know. We've all been there, like, you know, you see people throwing their shoes at the crag or whatnot, and... Um, just tools to say this is not you and to to observe that these negative thoughts are coming up but not let them go to this downward spiral mm-hmm. like for me like it was really bad actually I would get so upset say like if I like couldn't do this move this climb which it sounds so silly talking about it now but It'd be like, oh, it would. It would be like, I can't do this move. I'm, I'm a professional rock climber. I'm, I'm doing, my, like, I'm not doing my job. Right. I'm doing a <laughs> shitty, you know, shitty job. Right. And, uh, and then it'd be like, I'm not strong enough. I'm like, I'm not good enough. Like, you know, just like no self worth. And so I think that all kind of stems from deep ingrained childhood stuff too. So I think, uh, yeah. It's been good to like reflect and kind of face the demons and and try to deal. And um, since I've been working with Arno, it's been going really, really great. Like, I think it's necessary to be able to be a for lifer climber and to like enjoy it and not be like, okay, this is my full time like job, and put all this like weird pressure that like really doesn't stem from anything other than the ego. So it's been yeah, it's been interesting as continuous journey you paid me a nice compliment at the beginning of the show and i didn't instantly reciprocate but my feeling towards you has always been that even as our so we have a very casual relationship we see each other once in a while you know um 
but you've you're always to me like that's the compliment to you is that whenever i see you anyway it's like this relentless positivity and like you're always like super excited i mean not just see me but anybody that shows up that you know and it's like really warm and uh, but it's interesting to hear that you know everybody's way more complex than that yeah you know to 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 know that like underneath there there was you know or there can be these like boiling negative thoughts yeah we all have our demons right right? and it's like what are we going to do about it Mm -hmm. you know and and for me now is the time like i actually um have to address these things and it's been super good it's Mm -hmm. been good just being like having more compassion for myself because um it's really easy for me to be super hard on myself but that's all the ego again right talking you know, you you expressed in the blog post that I read um, that this kind of happened after China Doll and like that letdown or that like yeah. hole because it's like this has been consuming me. Right. Um, what did it look like? I mean, did you were you like I'm done with climbing or were you no, just like you're it was just never that bad. It, um, just going through the motions. It was mostly with Chris. I think it was because you're like close with this person, mm-hmm. expressing your emotions more. It was just like this strong like. Uh, like, you know, like crying and like, I'm not good enough, mm-hmm. not good enough, like over and over again. And then it's like this deep spiral of like, what am I doing? Like, I, I shouldn't even like consider myself a rock climber. Like it would just get so like, down and so low, right? And, and, and sending didn't just flush them all, all those thoughts away. No, oh. it's not funny how yeah. that works. <laughs> There's you always have, another you project. This, like, you have this like <laughs> empirical evidence that you're actually good enough. You achieved the goal. Yeah. And it, oh wasn't, God. it wasn't enough to be like. No. You know. Yeah. So, but it's been really good, like right. I said, to address these things. And uh-huh. working with Arno has been awesome. Right. Yeah. He's been super helpful. So, yeah, I'll, like, uh, I'll, I'll keep writing some updated blogs about that stuff, cool. too. I pointed out at the beginning of the show that, like, the Norma cast has been, like, one dude after another. Um, and And I've been searching and things have fallen through with other women climbers and and i'm really excited to have you on anyway um but you're going to break that which is nice um does does that like gender thing sort of play into the way you look at climbing at all in terms of you know some women climbers it seems at least publicly they're not interested in the debate or the talk or you know i'm just a climber i climb what i want to climb whatever guys girls i don't really care other women climbers is very much part of their sort of if not professional at least public identity is that they you know take a lot of pride in being a female climber who climbs at a certain level level or anything like that with this china doll thing you know that really probably puts you into this sort of spotlight of of being you're the first woman to do it it's also like when you get into sort of the scary climbing, it definitely narrows down the field in terms of women climbers that are really avid with that discipline. Did you feel that? Was that any part of your motivation? Is it something that that kind of runs through your veins in terms of your identity as a climber? Sure. This is a really good question. I've actually been approached with a really similar question a number of times lately. Um, And I certainly think that the gender gap has closed significantly in the past, say, five years. Um, before that, um, yeah, I think I think that, you know, like Lynn Hill's generation, for example, holy cow, it's a completely different scene. Um, I was asked a number of times um, 
you know, did you feel supported by men after your ascent or, or, you know, were they kind of accusatory or, you know, how, how were they? And I've honestly felt nothing but support mm -hmm. from everyone in the climbing community. Right. Um, I feel like today anyways, the climbing world is a little bit of a bubble. Um, I think there's much less gender gap in the climbing world than there is in normal life. Election night. Election night, for example. Oh, hideous. So I actually feel really, really lucky to be in this community. And I think it's really cool that um, we are getting more and more equal. Mm -hmm. That being said, um, there's also this talk of like, you know, first female scent, does it matter, what not? And I think it does matter. I think it really matters, at least most of the time. For for, for most climbs, um, I like to... I, I'm so much more inspired by women than I am men, climbing-wise. Like, for instance, all of, your, all of the normal casts I've listened to, I'm like, oh, they're all like women's shows. You know, it's like, for me, it's like, okay, there's another like really strong dude that just sent something <laughs> really hard. But like, if a girl does it, I'm right. so like, oh my god, that's rad. Right. It's like, maybe, maybe I could do something like that one day. Uh -huh. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. It does. It does to a certain extent. And yeah, I guess I was kind of curious, like just in your own motivations, you know, certainly anytime I have a, a woman on here who's a really good climber, there is this talk of being an inspiration. There's this talk of, of yeah. other people and what, like what you just said, you're, you're kind of more excited when, when, uh, when a woman sends something versus just another dude. Yeah. So I kind of was curious too, is about, like I said, about your identity towards it. Yeah. Um, do you feel I'm, that? Do you feel like you're somebody that, that you try to like inspire other women or is absolutely. It... I hope that I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I hope like if, if climbing serves any purpose, that would be it to mm -hmm. inspire people to like try to do things that maybe they thought weren't possible, you mm -hmm. know, to really push themselves and achieve things. Um, on kind of this, um, gender, um, conversation also, like, I think that unfortunately there are always a few, women that very negative how big the gender gap really is and I completely completely disagree um, there was a lot of um, shit about the real rock like not having a woman featured last year in the films and mm -hmm. whatnot and I think it was really overblown because it's not like real rock has not ever featured women right and a lot of women are probably gonna like be disgusted that I'm talking like this but honestly like what I've experienced in this community is like a little bubble for the most part. You know, I think the realm of like alpinism is probably quite different. Um, just being like a lot fewer females and whatnot. But got sport climbing, track climbing, bouldering now. Right. I feel like it's it's really pretty equal. Yeah, I'm just again just kind of curious about your personal motivations in terms uh, instead of talking about the the issues. Yeah that, you know, fly around the forums and stuff like that. Um, I was just curious as to whether you felt uh, connected to that kind of debate at all, just personally. So I guess you have answered my question. Cool. Anything else you want to say about that? Uh, just that, you know, I think also with like first ascents in general, there's definitely a lack of females in that. And it might be in part be due to the fact that um, repeats, by females are still kind of prevalent. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I think it'd be cool. Like I, I definitely want to put up some more roots in the in the future and mm-hmm. kind of break that down a little bit because that's also like a huge. There's a huge l- lack of women in in first ascent still. So. Last question, I guess, is is you. You know, you you found this like trad project that like changed your way of looking at climbing, or a couple of them the last couple of yeah. years. And I don't, you know, you, you're coming up on uh, the end of the year, so you're you're. It's time to set a new goal. Um, oh no! I'm not going to ask you because I, I certainly don't want to do that because that's that's like the worst. Thing oh, I do don't care. Like, no. But what about like, you know, you say like, if I'm going to be a lifer, I'm going to I need to you know sort this stuff out that's in my head right mm-hmm. now. But what does being a lifer look to you? I mean you know you're you're finding these challenges you you mentioned that maybe that's like the most work you're ever going to put into a route ever again so yeah yeah i mean you know what are the dream moments for you or what does your climbing look like coming in the next 10 years yeah that's, that's a really good question i don't know about if i can look to the next 10 years but I think the most important thing is to continue to enjoy it no matter what type of climbing I'm doing and also continue to expand types of climbing, um, get out and do like little adventures like we were kind of talking about earlier, you know, go to the desert, um, get out of Rifle Canyon. <laughs> but also um, right now, I, I don't know if I'm going to actually, this might be one of the first years that I don't um, have an established big goal okay. because... I think it's more important for me right now to um, continue on this path of like being a bit more kind to myself mm-hmm. and enjoying climbing Good. and not necessarily like taking a break from projecting because I'm already projecting again, but like just kind of tone, tone it down a little bit. Right. You know, and uh, Chris would laugh. He's, he's like, yeah, that'll last like another couple weeks or something sure and uh but yeah right now i'm just enjoying like hanging out and trying hard but not having any specific end goal in mind right on yeah all right heather well thanks a lot for sitting down thank you it's been fun totally appreciate it uh good luck and uh yeah i mean it looks like you're having fun every time i've ever run into you at the crag thanks thanks chris yeah yeah this is the best life i'm psyched Okay, folks, once again, thanks so much for listening, carrying on this podcast through the years, and thanks to Heather for sitting down. Real pleasure, and, uh, you know, hopefully I'll I'll be able to guide her in the ways of the for-lifer in the future. The main thing about being a for-lifer, a, for, a for-lifer, a for-lifer, is you just have to be okay with decline, with the inevitable decline. If you can do that, you're going to be a well-adjusted climber for your whole entire life. Look for those small victories. Stop hanging your hat on how hard you climb compared to everybody else. Hard to do, but that is pretty much the key. And speaking of for lifers, uh, it feels like I've been doing this podcast my whole damn life at this point. Coming up on uh, the anniversary of year five. So yeah, let me thank everybody for coming through over those last five years. Some of you have been here the whole damn time. Uh, but also there's been a just continued support growth every year financial support popularity everything so thanks again for listening thanks again for supporting the podcast i hope you continue to enjoy it 
Still haven't run out of people to talk to. I can guarantee that. Okay, enjoy yourselves out there, folks. Uh, the snow has sort of a little bit started to fall here in North America anyway. So be careful out there and uh, look out for big chunks of snow whistling at your head, ice climbers. And uh, don't forget to check your knot.